Okay, so today, today we're, we're going to be looking at, um, at some portions in Daniel chapter 9. So we started Daniel chapter 9 last week. And today's message is for the engineer. Alright, for the engineer and for the scientist and for the mathematician. If that's not you, just sit there and endure like they have to endure in all other messages when no numbers are used, okay? This is going to be a time for, for, for people who like numbers. And, and you just learn to endure it, okay? And, and um, uh, so for all you theologues, um, just, just uh, bear with us today. So we are, we are in Daniel chapter 9, and we are in the last portion of this cause, because we covered the rest of this uh, uh, last week. So Daniel chapter 9, we'll start reading at verse 24. Daniel 9:24. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up visions and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of the decree to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then, after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be a war. Desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to the sacrifice and grain offering. And the wing, and, and the wing of abominations will come, uh, on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So this is taking place, this Daniel chapter 9 is taking place in... in uh, Ta-da! Daniel chapter 9 is taking place in 539 B.C. So, so Daniel is in his mid-80s. This is, it says in the beginning of this chapter, which we read last week, that Daniel was, uh, uh, this was in the first year of Darius the Mede. So this is not Darius, kings of Persia. Kings of per- there were several Darius, kings of Persia, which come later on. This is Darius the Mede, who, is, who has been made in charge of the city of Babylon, the province of Babylon, by his overlord, King Cyrus, king of Persia, the great king of Persia. So, we just read, it mentions 70 weeks. This can easily be interpreted as 77s. There's going to be a period of 77s, is what we just read. What does that 77s mean? This is a prophecy. This is a prophecy. Now remember, this is in 539 B.C. 539 B.C. So this means that it's going to be around 535 years before Jesus is born. Jesus was born between 5 and 7 B.C. 
If you thought he was born right at, 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 at the transition, you're wrong. He was born between 5 and 7. There's a lot of evidence that points toward that. He died in the 30s A.D. He died in his mid-30s, somewhere around 35, 37 years old, about that age. And we covered that in the chronological life of Jesus. We went over that in great detail. But there's 70 weeks, which is 77, which is 490 years. There's going to be a 490-year period that's prophesied in this section that we just read. All right? 70 minus one week is 69 weeks, which is 483 years. Of this 490, of this 490 years, seven years are for the time of tribulation, which haven't yet taken place. The description at the end of Daniel chapter 9 is for the time of tribulation. That we've already seen is a seven-year period. In the book of Revelation, it says it's a seven-year period split into two sections of three and a half years each. Three and a half years, the Jews will make an agreement with the Antichrist. And after three and a half, three and a half years, the Antichrist will break the covenant and he will offer up uh, defiled animals, a pig, on the altar in Jerusalem and then the Jews will end up seeing that they can't partner with this guy and many of them will come to the Lord at that time during a great persecution that's upon the Jewish nation. That's a seven-year period. So there's 483 years that he's describing for what's about to take place. If you were to look, there's a, there's a decree of King Artaxerxes. King Artaxerxes is a king of Persia. So he makes a prophecy in Ezra chapter 4 verse 20. He makes a decree in Ezra chapter 4 verse 21. What he says is he tells the Jews that have gone back to the land by a decree of Cyrus earlier before Artaxerxes. So Cyrus, after, uh, uh, later after King Cyrus, later, several years later, there were kings and then King Artaxerxes. He told the Jews to stop building in Jerusalem because some people had written a bad report about them saying that they would be rebellious people. So he told them to stop. It was then that Nehemiah was so broken because there was no building up of Jerusalem, there was no building of the temple, that it says in, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes. So that means it's 444 B.C., so remember, we're reading in Daniel in 539 B.C. So, so this is like 95 years later, something is happening with Artaxerxes because some, there's going to be a decree will be made. What we just read in Daniel chapter 9 is a decree will be made. From the time of the decree, we're going to start counting 483 years. That's what he says. A decree will be made where the city of Jerusalem will start to be rebuilt. That's what we, we just read. He says you're going to start rebuilding this. And then it, 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 says, it says that, that then you're going to start to rebuild the, Jerusalem, the holy place. The prophecy to anoint the most holy place. This is a, um, a, so you are to know and discern that from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the priest, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. So the total time before Messiah is cut off is 483, but it's 483 minus, minus this, 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 uh, um, this 70 week period. So we'll see this. But if we go through, it's, it's in 444 BC. If we turn to Nehemiah, turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. So in the book of Nehemiah, in chapter 1, Nehemiah chapter 1, 
what you see here is a prayer of Nehemiah. Remember the prayer of Daniel that they get back to the land and he poured himself out in prayer? Nehemiah does the same thing. The things of God are brought on by prayer. Nehemiah, he says in verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year while I was in Susa, the capital. So Susa is in current day Persia. This is the Persian capital. This is not in Babylon anymore. Uh, capital that Hanani, one of my brothers and some men from Judah came and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity and went back to Jerusalem. They said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So Nehemiah says, what happened to all the people that went back to Jerusalem? He says, It's just all broken down and nothing's happening. He says, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and I mourned for days and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God. And he goes on, he's praying to God to bring some change about. Praying to God to bring about some change. And so now we're going to turn over to to Nehemiah chapter chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. So Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king, King Artaxerxes. This is a huge deal to be cupbearer of the king because it was up to him to make sure that the king never got poisoned. He had to watch over the king's wine. He had to taste it first to make sure nothing happened to him before the king could ever get it. It was a, a job of very high responsibility. And again, you see Jews in top positions in government. Top position is a cupbearer for the king. Not ruling countries, but in top positions who always have the ear of the king. Verse 1 in Nehemiah chapter 2. And it came about in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes. This is how we know. It's 444 B.C., the month of Nisan, because it's Artaxerxes' 20th year of reigning. He says that the wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had... Now, I had not been sad in his presence. So in other words, you don't serve the king and go moping around and dragging your lunchbox to work. You are upbeat, you are happy, because people want happy people around them. I don't like graduate students working for me that are always walking in defeat. I want somebody just happy. Happy, just get in there, do the job. Now you can have a down day, but don't be moping around here. You can mope at home. You come into work, you're going to do some work. So he said, I've not been sad before in the king's presence. So the king said to me, why is your face sad, though you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? Then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Imagine this. So the king turns to me and says, you look sad. He says, you know, I'm just broken because I've just gotten word from Jerusalem. These people came from Jerusalem and they told me that, that it's, it's still lying in ruin. And, and uh, uh, people have gone back. So it's been quite some time since people have gone back. It's been almost 100 years since people have gone back. And, and uh, um, it's still lying in ruin. 
He says, what's your request? I mean, he really liked Nehemiah. These guys are tight. They're friends. They're like Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar were. These are friends. This is what you find. You find Jews in top portions of government who are friends with the leaders. Barack Obama, who were his friends when he started out. Rahm Emanuel, David Axelrod, surrounded by Jewish men. They became friends and confidants. This is what happens. This is the way God has brought up Jews throughout the world. And so you see this. He says, what would you like me to do? And before he asks, he says a quiet prayer. But it wasn't just this prayer. Remember in chapter 1, he has been praying for days. Fasting and praying for days. So it's not just a quick prayer, oh Lord, bless me in this. It is preceded by huge amounts of prayer. But now he finds himself in a quick situation. Before he says anything, he says a prayer. And then he says, he, he says uh, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may, re- that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting behind him, how long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him a definite time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me for the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates, for the fortresses, which is by the temple, for the wall of the city and for the house to, to which I will go. And the king granted them to me because of the good hand of God was upon me. Then I came to the governors of the provinces beyond the river. I gave them the king's letter. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. When Sanballat the the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite officials heard it, it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the city. So I came to Jerusalem and it goes on. So the king makes a decree, you will go and you will rebuild the city. So he makes this decree... So he makes this decree for Jeremiah, uh, I mean for, for, for Nehemiah, he, he, he gives this decree and then he goes through and he says, you're going to go back. So this is when the decree was made. When was the decree made? In, and, and the Bible was very specific, just up in that portion, for, in, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, so that's 444 BC. He says the prayer, the decree is made in chapter 2 verses 1 through 8, we just read that. So if you read in Daniel chapter 9:27, it talks about the seven-year period, which is one week, described as the one week. That's the tribulation period. But now let's, if you look, we're to look in Revelation chapter 2. We don't have time to flip to every verse, but you can take a picture of this afterward, and it's there. In Revelation chapter 2, it talks about how this period is going to be 42 months of real trial upon the Jews. 42 months. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 3, it says it, if 42 months isn't clear enough, it says 1,260 days. All right? 1,260 days, 42 months. So, so it's speaking about the same thing. Then if you go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 6, it again says 1,260 days. Very specific. The scriptures are extremely specific. If you think it not so, it's because you don't know the scriptures. All right? 1260 days. Then in Revelation chapter 12, verse 14, it talks about a time, singular, 
times, plural, and half a time. That is, again, speaking about the same length of time, three and a half years, a a three and a half year period. Uh, Time is a year, times is two years, half a time is half a year, time, times, and half a year. Speaking about it in the same context, same chapter. Now you go to Revelation chapter 13, verse 5, it again says 42 months. All of these are the same time period. It's just expressing it differently. Some people say, some people say four weeks from now. Some people say a month from now. It's just a way of expressing it differently. Some people will say 30 days from now. Some people might put it in nanoseconds. It's all the same thing. You're just changing the units. All right? So it's all identical time periods. 42 months times 30 days per month is 1,260 days. That's how you get 1,260 days. Are there 30 days in a month? The answer is yes when you're using a lunar calendar. So 42 months times 30 days per month is 1,260 days. A time is one year, so time times and half a time are three and a half years. 42 months times one year for 12 months equals 3.5 years. So it's all talking about the same amount of time, three and a half years there. So that's in the book of Revelation for the second half of the tribulation. Where'd that come from? If you were to look in Genesis chapter 7, Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, and Genesis chapter 8, verse 3 through 4, it says that the rains began to fall on Noah and his ark. The rains began to fall on the 17th day of the second month. All right? Very specific. It says that on the 17th day of the second month. It ended on the rain stopped on the 17th day of the seventh month. And then it says, right after that, it says, 17th day of the seventh month, therefore it rained 150 days. So the book of Genesis itself said that this five month period is 150 days. So if you take five months and you give 30 days per month, that's how you get 150 days. So clearly, even in the book of Genesis, they were calling a month 30 days. Are you with me here? In the book of Genesis, it calls a month 30 days. How do we know? Because it gives specifically a five-month period, and the Bible itself says that 500-month period was 150 days. The only way it could be 150 days is if you give 30 days to a month. All right. So 30 days equals one lunar month. All right. Some people use, we, we, use, we use a solar calendar. Many other cultures, even today, still use a lunar calendar. All right. 12 lunar months equals one lunar year. Hence, the division of the ecliptic is 360 taken and measured in round numbers. Let me read something to you from Isaac Newton. So, Isaac Newton was a great studier of the Bible, and here's what he wrote. All nations, before the just length of the solar year was known, reckoned months by the course of the moon and the years by the return of winter and summer, spring and autumn. And in making calendars for their festivals, they reckoned 30 days to a lunar month and 12 lunar months to a year, taken to the nearest round number. Whence came the division of the ecliptic into 360 degrees. So you wonder where the 360 degrees for an ecliptic came from? It came from this. So it's 360 degrees taken to the nearest round number per Isaac Newton. So he knew this. He was a real studier of the Bible as well. So, 
12 lunar cycles equals 354 days. Alright? Because a lunar year is just over 11 days shorter than a solar year. So a lunar year, so, so, so a, 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 a lunar year is 11 days shorter than a solar year. And that's why sometimes with lunar calendars we can be very close and then like, like our, uh, um, our lunar calendars can be very close and then sometimes it can be very far away. So because of this, we use 366 days in leap year every four years to correct for the just over 11 days. So, so every four years we have a leap year. We add a date of February. We have a February 29th. Why do we do that? It's troubling. Well, we do that to correct for this just over 11 days difference between a lunar year and a solar year. All right, so there are seven sevens, which is 49 years. So, so anyway, um, thus a solar year is slightly greater than 365 days. A solar year, so we say 365 days in a year, it's actually a little bit more than that. It's a little bit more than 365 days in a year. And because of that, because of that just over bit, and we'll see how much more, and, and we compensate with that, for that with, the, uh, with, with leap year, every four years. So... Seven sevens is 49 years to rebuild Jerusalem. So it takes 49 years to rebuild Jerusalem. And then it talks about in Daniel chapter 9, there's going to be 69 sevens. So 69 times 7 is 483 years. That's the Daniel 9.26 until it says the prince will be cut off. 483 years after that, the prince will be cut off. What does that mean? Saying 483. So you're going to have 49 years to rebuild Jerusalem. This is a prophecy that in 49 years, Jerusalem is going to be rebuilt. This prophecy was in 539 B.C. The decree was given in 444 B.C. And he says, in 49 49 years from that decree, Jerusalem will be rebuilt. And then in another, then then after 483 years, the prince is to be cut off. Well, if you take 483 years times 360 days in a year, because they use the lunar calendar, you get 173,880 days. All right, 173,880 days. That's the 483 times 360 days per year. This is so amazing. So amazing. You, you can come and take a picture of this afterward, and then, and, then, and then just go through it yourself. This is just very simple arithmetic and maybe a, a, a slight bit of seventh grade algebra. And it's just amazing. So, one solar year equals 365.2421987 days. Alright? So, a solar year is a little bit more than 365 days. How much more? 0.242 days longer. That's how much a solar year is. So you take that, one, uh, that 173,880 days, lunar days that we've just seen, times that many days in a year equals 476.067663 years. All right. So if we take 365 days, 0.2421979 times 0.067663, that's this factor right here, that's 476 years plus 24, that would be 24.7 days. So what is the real amount of time by our calendar that this prophecy is talking about? It's 
talking about 476 years plus 24.7 days, 25 days. So in 476 years plus 25 days, that's when the prince will be cut off. The prince will be cut off that much time by our reckoning. By their reckoning, it was slightly different. By our reckoning, we have to change the lunar calendar to the solar calendar. All right. If you take the month of Nisan in 444 B.C. when Artaxerxes made that decree, and then you add 476 years and 25 days, guess where you come? You get the month of Nisan, A.D. 33. The month of Nisan, A.D. 33, is what was said in 539 B.C. when the prince will be cut off. There's two possible dates for the crucifixion. One is 30 A.D. and the other is 33 A.D. Because only in those two years, in that time period, was, was, was the Passover falling on a Friday. It was a very special Friday in Jerusalem. It was the Passover day, the day the Passover lamb would be sacrificed. Passover didn't always fall on, a, on the Friday. The Friday is the Sabbath day. But it, it was what was called a high Sabbath because the Passover fell on that Sabbath day. That only occurs periodically, right? Because Passover is on a certain day, how often is it going to fall on a Friday? But because they're using a lunar calendar versus our solar calendar, you can track it back. That could have only occurred in 30 A.D. or 33 A.D. So the most common day given for the death of Jesus was in the month of Nisan, 33 A.D., this was a prophecy that was from 539 B.C. to Daniel, mapped out exactly the day. He said there will be, a from the time the decree is given to rebuild Jerusalem, till the time Jerusalem is complete is going to be, 400 and, uh, going to be 49 years. And then there's going to be another 62 sevens, and it's going to be that long until the... Messiah is cut off. Who got cut off on 33 A.D.? Until the prince is cut off. The prince was cut off in 33 A.D. So, there's a Cambridge scientist, Sir Colin Humphrey, just, just in, in the last decade or so, and an uh, and Oxford astrophysicist, Graham Waddington. They calculated that Jesus died, if you, if you look at the monthly, if, if you look at when this day had to have been, that is equivalent to our April 3rd, 33 A.D., was when Jesus was crucified. On April 3rd, 33 A.D. So, many people thought that this is just too accurate, just way too accurate. Daniel must have been written. Originally, they, they, they thought that Daniel must have been written in, in, uh, uh, in either the first century A.D. or they, they said the first century B.C. They said it was written in the Maccabean era. Well, if it were written in the Maccabean era, how do they know when Messiah is going to come and when he's going to die? So they, then they said, well, it must have been written in the first or second century A.D. Well, then they found the book of Daniel in the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls were found in the middle of the 20th century in Israel. And they date back to between the 5th and the 2nd century B.C. And the book of Daniel is among that, among what was found. 
So you see, this was clearly a prophecy that was dead on accurate. Dead on accurate. This is the specificity with which our God views us. It says in, in, uh, in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 7, Luke chapter 12, verse 7, every hair on your head is numbered by the Lord. Every hair on your head. And he had to keep track of this because, you know, this number varies. You know, it varies every day. It says, He knows the number of hairs on your head. This is the specificity that He knows about us. And He says, You are worth much more than many sparrows. Not even a hair on your head is going to fall to the ground without Him knowing it. In, in Luke chapter 21, verse 18. Not even a hair on your head will fall to the ground without Him knowing it. This is the specificity of our God. This is how accurate. So about a hundred years before Artaxerxes makes a decree, Daniel is prophesying this, but it's not just Daniel. This was, this was the angel was giving this to him. Gabriel was telling him this, and Daniel is transcribing this. So you see the accuracy of the prophecy. This is a hundred years before the decree was even given. And it even talks about, you know, many, many people say the Antichrist is going to be someone from Rome. And the reason they say this is, is it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, we don't know for sure, but, but, but it, it said just because of what's actually here written in, in, uh, in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9. So you see, it, it says, um, Daniel chapter 9, verse, verse um, 27, And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will pull a stop to the sacrifice. Let me go up here. Uh, verse 26. Verse 26 of Daniel 9. Then after 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. You see here? He says the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. When did they destroy the city and the sanctuary? After the 62-week period, after Messiah was cut off. Messiah was cut off in 33 AD. The Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD. The same people, the same people group, it is from that same people group that the Antichrist will come. The one who is going to cause the persecution in the end times. That's why some people say that it's actually going to come out of Rome where, where the Antichrist will come. That's not picking on anybody. I'm just showing you what the Scriptures say. You interpret that for yourself. But it's from that same people group that destroyed the temple in 70 AD. And what's interesting is Jesus came before the temple was destroyed. Clearly. He died in 33 AD. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Lots and lots of extra-biblical writings that, that well describe this and note that date. And here it, it, it predicts that, that the prince is going to be cut off and then after that will come the destruction of the temple. Jesus, in fact, died. So you see the accuracy of how our God knows, how He sees us. And the, this prophecy is not by itself. There are many other prophecies. The book of Daniel is full of prophecies. When we get into Daniel chapter 10 next week, Daniel chapter 10 11 and 12 are all one prophecy. Just split up into three chapters because it just went on and on. It is all prophecy. Why does God give us prophecy? 
We already read why God gives us prophecy. It says, because then the disciples, when Jesus predicted things, it says, after these things came about, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, they hearkened back, they remembered back, and it caused them to believe. You see, prophecy gives us greater substance in our belief. Our belief is not just, oh, well, you know, I believe in science. You know, I trust science. You just have blind faith. No, not at all. The Scripture is not just a bunch of blind faith. It's actually based on historical proofs. It's based on historical facts. And it's based on prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. It's not just just a blind faith. Not at all. Those who would make such a claim don't know anything about the Bible. I'm telling you, they've never read the Bible and they say, oh, well, you just believe that Bible. That's just blind faith. Not at all. The Bible is extremely accurate. The Bible has documented this. And it's documented that Daniel had to be. This has been dated between the 5th and the 2nd century B.C., the Dead Sea Scrolls. So Daniel had to have been written before any of this ever happened. And he predicted spot on. And in the Dead Sea Scrolls, you don't just find one copy of the Old Testament. You find multiple copies, multiple portions, multiple books are there. Multiple copies. The only book of the Bible that is not in the Dead Sea Scrolls is the book of Esther. It's the only book that's of the Bible that's not in the Dead Sea Scrolls, of the Old Testament, of the Tanakh. The Old Testament that's, that's not in the Dead Sea Scrolls is the book of Esther. Why? I don't know. But it's just not there. There's a lot of other documents in the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's, there, there's uh, um, uh, uh, accounting documents and, and, and uh, ledgers for, for, for accounting ledgers. There's lots of different things there. And you see lots of portions of this. It is clear. The accuracy is there. Do you understand now the accuracy of this thing? It is so amazing. You take a picture of this and you do the math. It's very simple. But there's no fudge factors here. It's right there. You do the math and boom, it falls right in the month of Nisan, 33 A.D. Okay, let's pray. Abba Father, thank you so much for your mercies and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness. And I pray, O Lord, your blessing upon these young people that you draw them close to you. Father, I pray particularly for my Chinese friends in this class, that you draw them closer to Jesus, that they would see the accuracy of the Word of God. How accurate this is, even looking at it through a scientific eye, how accurate this is. Father, draw them to Jesus. Father, I pray for these young people that they would learn to take hold of the Bible, its truth, the truth of the Scriptures. Let them take hold of it, I pray. And I offer this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.